first, I would like to introduce author Marjorie Liu, uh, who tonight will be leading a conversation with uh, Brian Dundas. Marjorie is an accomplished author of over 20 novels and a prolific comic book author as well, most recently making the news. Oh, we have some fans. That's great. Uh, for Monstrous, the Eisner and Hugo Award-winning graphic novels that have found a home on the New York Times bestseller list. And like our main speaker tonight, she is also a Marvel Comics alum, make mine Marvel, uh, having written for the uh, Dark Wolverine series, Black Widow, X-23, uh, Han Solo, uh, X-Men, and others. Her portrayals of LGBTQ characters have won her accolades as well. The MIT community first got to know Marjorie here in Comparative Media Studies and Writing, uh, where we have had the pleasure of, of hosting her uh, comic books writing class. So if you're interested in that, hopefully next fall it will be uh, offered again. Uh, I also forgot, did I introduce myself? I don't think I did. <laughs> anyway, I'm Ed Schapa, I'm the department head, but. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> Tonight's featured guest is Brian Michael Bendis. Uh, Brian is a five-time Eisner winner, uh, which is the Eisner Award, sort of like the Oscars of the comics industry. The arc of his career is interesting. He initially supported his comics habit with a gig as an illustrator for his hometown newspaper. After stints at uh, smaller comics, such as Image, uh, where he won his first Eisner, Brian was hired by Marvel Comics in 2000 to launch its Ultimate Spider-Man series. At Marvel, he would go on to write or collaborate on some of the biggest steps forward in contemporary comics. For example, in 2011, he and Sarah Pacelli created the character of Miles Morales, an Afro-Latino teenager as a new Spider-Man, who is, uh, I saw a preview for a movie, come, animated yeah. movie coming out. I hope you're getting a piece of that, but at any rate. Um, <laughs> Brian created or developed um, many characters for Marvel. He has served as an author on everything from Daredevil to Jessica Jones, The Avengers, Guardians of the Galaxy, and an incredible 100-issue run for X-Men. Before moving last year to write for DC Comics, even people at MIT who don't follow comics knew that Invincible Iron Man Volume 3, Number 7, when Brian introduced the character of Riri Williams, an MIT student who hacks together parched, poached from campus to create her own Iron Man suit, and thus creating Iron Heart, a black female superhero. The middle picture, by the way, uh, is a uh, artwork that somebody, I don't know who, uh, painted in one of our tunnels here after oh. MIT admissions did a uh, uh, video that featured her as a character for Pi Day um, last year. Um, now, of course, as many of you know, you know the, the, this is the Julius Schwartz lecture series, Julia Schwartz worked for DC. Uh, I had one of my colleagues to say, I don't know how, you know, how it would feel you know, to have a Marvel person uh, invited to speak here. And then I think that's why Brian jumped ship and, and went to, to DC. <laughs> but at any rate, as you all know, uh, Brian is now uh, writing for DC and working on um, the original superhero, a comic book superhero. Um, Superman, when I think this would have been your first work published with that, is that yep, right? Yeah, right. yeah. As I said, this lecture series honors Julia Schwartz, the co-founder of the first science fiction fanzine in 1932 and the DC Comics editor that helped launch the DC side of the Silver Age of Comics, seeing the reinvention of characters such as Batman, Superman, and The Flash, as well as others. 
This event is supported by a generous gift by author Neil Gaiman, uh, who was our first Schwartz lecturer, and we are most grateful to him. Previous Schwartz lecturers have included Gaiman and Babylon 5 creator Michael Straczynski, and tonight's Comparative Media Studies is happy to add to that list Brian Michael Bendis. So I'll turn Thank it over you. to you. There will be Q&A later, and that's what those mics in the aisle are for. All right. Well, I want to say thank you for doing this, Marjorie. Uh, uh, before I was interrupted, no, I'm not, I, uh, I, uh, I wanted to tell you that because you know sometimes when uh, people see things like this, they're like, "Oh, we know each other. Like we we would be pals. We don't know each other at all, like at all. But we have a lot of mutual friends. Yes. And Kelly Sue has made it very clear this will be great. So, that, but, but I, I love that. I love that we don't know. But I thought people would like to know that you're asked you're asking questions you might not know the answers to, as opposed to... Uh, I actually don't know the answers yeah. to any of these questions I'm asking. That's so awesome. I am genuinely curious, and I'm here just like all of you, to find out more about you. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, is it not... Is this better? Is that, all right. Is it, was it pointing in the wrong direction? It went sideways? All right. All right. Okay. If you guys can't hear me, just shout. Just let me know, all right? It's good? All right. All right. Okay, cool. Um, so I thought I would just start with the beginning because you've had, you've had a long career. You've worked on so many books and so many different projects and different mediums. And so, you know, please forgive this most basic question, but why do you write? No, I appreciate that. That's actually um, one of the themes of my life of the last few years. I, you know, what, you spend a lot of time, and I'm sure a lot of you are in, in the how phase. Like, how do you do this? How? And you're so busy with the how that the why can fall to the wayside because the why is actually a scarier question. It's actually a much <laughs> yes. harder question to answer, and the answer is constantly changing. And as soon as you grab the answer, it could like jump out of your hands and become something else, and you gotta keep chasing it. But because of that, and because of the, the noise of the world that we live in lately, I, I've seen a lot more fear-based uh, decisions being made. Like a lot of people, uh, they're, they're scared to be with their truth. Mm -hmm. So they write something other than. They write something they think that people will like. Maybe people will like me if I write this, instead of writing really what's bothering them or what's, you know, what's, what's insi inside of them. And, and when, when every time I ask a question online or I'm t talking in class, you, when you ask someone a question about what they want to write, you'll hear the words, I'm afraid, I'm fearful, I, I don't want to, and it's always embarrass themselves, or I, I guess the literary version of like dropping your pants in public and just being ashamed. And, and when you actually say, well, who's done that? Who, who, in, who in, in literature has expressed their trueness and embarrass themselves? And you're like, oh, I, I actually can't think of anybody. Like, you can't think of anybody who got laughed out of telling, you know, out of being an honest creator. So I, I want to, where I can, just bring that up, bring up the why we write and talk about, like, why I, where I am in the why. And for me, it was always about, um, you know, I always talk about writing something that I would like to buy. Like, I want to make a comic book that no one else is making, right? 
And for me, that was always like a genre thing. Like, oh, I just this cool idea that I want, right? And that's where like powers came from. Like, I want, I want, uh, I want, I want, I would love to buy this book, and no one's making it. If Howard Chaykin was making this book, I would buy it, but he's not, so I'm, I'm going to have to go do it. So, uh, and, and that would start me. And then, as I would dig into the characters, and I would find these deep emotional moments, uh, and the moments would subconsciously have similar feels to them, like there would be a, a frustration about the world or, or, an, or, or an anger about the world that was coming in through the characters, and then only when I read it back to myself in, in the balloon stage, in the lettering stage, would I go, ooh, I, I'm, I'm, I'm working on some stuff, right? And, and I, I get fearful for students who are being taught to not dive in that deeply. You know, I, I, I worry about it because I, I, there's two things going on in this culture. Number one, there's a, lot of, there's a lot of shaming online that I think even if it's not shaming you directly, it, it makes people feel like, oh, I, I, I'll just stay in my little bubble. I'm not going to express myself outwards because, ooh, there's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of people playing whack-a-mole with people's feelings online, right? And, and, and the other thing I worry, that I, I see is that they don't, because of the fear, they don't finish what they start. So they'll start a project and then not complete it and not, not know why they did it or what kind of creator they are. D does that make sense, what, what, what I'm saying? Because it, it is, it is, I see so many people, they, they want to show me their first 10 pages of something. And I'm like, I would, I would love to see the last 10 pages because I know that's why you wrote it or that's why you're doing it. And if you don't write those last 10 pages, you're never gonna know what the point of you is. So when you first started out, because as, as, as Ed pointed out, you were in, an illustrator? Yeah, I was a writer and illustrator. Writer, illustrator yeah. in Cleveland, correct? Yes. A newspaper? Mm -hmm. And so when you were deciding to make that leap into comics, first of all, why comics? And second of all, how did fear affect you? Well, uh, for comics for me, and I think a lot of you will know this feeling. It's, it's a very unique, intimate storytelling experience. You're, you're alone in a room, and there's pictures. And I know when you're with a book, it's, it's, there's, there's, a, there's a, a very different but similar intimacy where you and the author are now creating a visual together, right? There's a word picture that you're creating, and I'm going to put it together with my values, and we're going to make it together. In comics, it's actually white space in between the panels that we can all now collaborate together. Right, like I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell the story, but there's a lot of space in between these images where you, the audience, get to fill this in, and I love doing that. I absolutely love it, and I love when a creator tries to completely control all of the collaboration, yet you can't, right? When someone's trying to control the pacing and the timing of it, but the audience still has such, such a voice. Also, the audience has such a uh, uh, control over the, the, the tempo and the, and the pace of the page, no matter what you do. So I, I, I love that as a reader, and I wanted to, and then as soon as you find out it's a job, like, oh, this is someone's, someone makes a living doing this? Well, I can't think of a better way to make a living than that. So uh, it, it was a very young age. I was like six or seven years old when I read my first like, credit box in a comic, and I went, oh, that's, that someone did this? That you can get paid? All right. And you knew that was going to be you. Yeah, I was, in, I was in very early, and I can tell you what, what's fascinating to me is the realities of life set in, as the, like how many steps are between me and Spider-Man. Like, from my, <laughs> from, my, no, from my bedroom in Cleveland, 
at age six to Marvel Comics, there's a million steps. Mm -hmm. Nothing was standing in my way. There's absolutely like, but not, not like I was, I wasn't like ruining people's lives together, but I was like, you know, just geared towards, sometimes when you say that it sounds like, you know, you're like, you know, Gordon Gecko, you're just gonna destroy everybody to get to your goal. But what I, what I meant was I was going to earn my craft to get to that. Mm -hmm. And no matter how hard I, I found out it was or, or what the odds were, nothing dissuaded me almost to a pathological. Now I can laugh at it, but like, like David Mack often will now think back about, boy, you're just, you were just deluded. You're just, you just went through life just, I'm going to be Spider-Man. So basically the hunger to create in this medium burned hotter than any fear or, or yes. hesitation. Yes, yeah, I didn't have. know the fear. And I now feel very lucky that I didn't know the fear because when I see people sometimes uh, drowning in it, to be honest with you, I'll even see like some of my students will come to class. They have they have made the effort to get here, which is a big effort, and you could see, oh my god, you know, it's they, they it's <laughs> just they're terrorized to to share themselves, and and so I I I feel lucky that of all the neurotic issues that I've, I've accumulated over the years. That was never one of them. So I, I, it did help me get to where I need to go. So now I do feel as, as, as a creator and a professor that now I can tell you, yeah, you don't need that fear. There's, there's legitimate stuff to be fear, afraid of in this world. Expressing yourself is not one of them. Mm. Yeah, mm. to me at least. Well, you know, I'm sure there are a lot of students here on campus who would love to take that leap to becoming a writer, to being in the arts in some way, but they just don't even you know, they don't even know how to get there if it's possible. And I think the great thing about hearing you speak about this is that, that a dream you can have, that you can have as a child can manifest. Oh, you absolutely. You can actually do this. Absolutely, and so many of our, 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 our peers, like we all just, that's it, we just decided we're gonna do this. But, and they're like, there's no one in comics who was gonna be, well, I was either gonna be a lawyer or in comics. It was like, so, not like even Charles, he was like, he, he became a lawyer and said, yeah, I wanna be in comics. I, this, I, like even, even. That was me. Yeah. <laughs> Well, so, and I think... Every, but the, the, I mean, that deep, that deep need to be in comics or, or, to, or film or music exactly. or whatever it is, everyone who ends up doing it shares that. And so, do you think the comic books connect more powerfully with readers than other narrative mediums? I, I do, and, mm -hmm. I, and I do feel that that's why even with print medium being in, in chaos for the last 10 years, uh, comics and graphic novels always are healthy because, uh, and they are, uh, it just, it's, a it's a shifting market, but, it, but the, the readers are there and, and the numbers are there. And it's because even with all of the television and movies, and really television and the amount of comic book television that there is out there is, is the thing that's most competitive to, to us, which is that there's like a thousand episodes of Arrow for free on Netflix right now. That you, like, like if you need to scratch that itch, it's right there, right? Where, but still people buy the comics because as cool as those shows are and as cool as the movies are, there's a deep intimacy and layers to the narrative in comics that movies and TV aren't there yet. I, I, they will get there because they're always chasing us, mm -hmm. and, but, um, but it, it, and I'm, I honestly, it's the thing I was most stunned by when I saw the first episode of Jessica Jones is that they, they, went, they went there. Mm -hmm. I, I, it, I was ter terrified that they weren't going to. You were 
involved in that television show, correct? I was as a, I was a consultant, you know, and, and, and I was there, and, I, and, I, and the consulting is always uh, writers asking you questions they know the answers to. They just want you to hear you say it. Right. And, uh, and, and when you don't, they get angry. It's very funny. <laughs> and uh, um, there's a lot of questions about Luke and Jessica, and they wanted my answer, and I would have given them. Anyway, so, um, uh, yeah, so, but, but, I, but someone else is authoring this, this character mm -hmm. in, this, in this medium, and, and you have to kind of get zen about it and hope for the best. So, so it, it, I, I was grateful that, that she went where other shows don't go. I was so grateful, because I did not want the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone did. I know, but you know, it, yeah. it's our culture. There's a 90% chance it was going to be the thing, so I'm mm. relieved beyond mm. comprehension. Well, um, and you already mentioned Powers, but my first introduction to your work was Powers, okay. um, which is, for those of you who aren't familiar with Powers, it's about two detecti detectives who investigate crimes committed by people with superhuman abilities. Is that kind of a Yes, an and okay what summary? Powers and Monstrous have in common is that we both have titles that everyone else in comics goes, oh, I can't believe no one took that title. Oh. Yes. Yeah, yeah, it is. I hear that so much about you, and we heard that about us. Oh, great. The first two years, like everyone at Marvel, DC, there's never been a book called Powers? I'm like, I, yeah, I Sorry, know. guys. Yes. Um, well, I love that book, partly because it was so character-driven. Um, now, correct me if I'm wrong, but soon after Powers was released, you started writing Daredevil, correct? Yeah. Okay. And that... I started writing Powers uh, the year before I started at Marvel. Okay. Uh, and, and then Ultimate Spider-Man and Daredevil happened within like a few months of each other in that even though Daredevil came out first, I, I was writing both at the same time. So, my dude, having been in the situation of having written three comic books at once, that is a lot. Oh, That's you should fun. see what I'm doing now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I, I can only imagine. I, I, I genuinely, and other people, I, 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 we've lived long enough to know this. There, there are creators that have that, that can only do one project, and, and you, sh you, sh you, you, you even offer them a variant cover while they're in the middle of a project. They, they, they spiral out of control. You, they can't do it. While there's other creators that uh, thrive with multiple uh, projects going on at once, and I actually think the projects get better because all, you know, all parts of the brain are being used at once. So that, that's where I've found myself to be. The mo I've tried both, all the different ways, but multiple is, is where I, I, I thrive. Well, I was gonna ask another question, but I'll ask oh, this sorry. one. No, 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 not, not at all. I'm just happy for that response because mm -hmm. it actually made me think about something else because I know a lot of the students here have, um, they're familiar with having passion projects, but passion can get tiring sometimes. Exhausting. And so, exhausting. Yeah. And so for you, you know, you seem to be someone, like you just said, like who, who gets energy the more you do and the more you're mm -hmm. creating. How do you, do you ever feel like you're running dry? No, I, I, I also, I, you know, such, such big things have happened in my life, particularly that just keeps, it keeps things constantly at, at, at a level of, of, of energy and good energy and, and, and enthusiasm and entertainment that, that I, I want. And, uh, you know, there, there's a constant stream of original art being thrown into my email. That, that's one thing. Once you start working on multiple projects, mm -hmm. so like every day I wake up and Ryan Sook and Ivan Rice and David Mack and, and Michael Gatos and, 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 and Alex Maleev <laughs> just, just keep flooding my, my, like I woke up this morning to 45 original pieces of artwork and I'm so, I can't get out of here fast enough to go start writing, <laughs> right? And, and, and so, so that, that's, the, that's the world I live in. So it, it's super, super, super ex exciting. I also, not to get 
to maudlin. I know this it, it bums people out when you talk about it, but last year, literally I, almost a year ago, this week, I, I, uh, both me and my wife had a, had a near-death experience, separate near-death experiences. And so we were, we were faced with the real reality of, of it being done. It's over. Mm. And, and so, and I had like days where I was blind and I couldn't write. So it was the first time where I, and there would always be days where no matter how like stressful the day is, I, I'm gonna go write it out. I'm gonna go just type, I don't even know what I'm gonna write. I'm just gonna type it out. And it was always there for me and then it wasn't. Right, so when it wasn't there for me for like just for a few days, you go, oh no, oh oh my, oh, oh Lord. So once you get out of a situation like that, you're like you're like shot out of a cannon. Like you want to, you want to, you know. Especially not only that, but I was coming out of it at a time where DC was literally, you know, we have whole lines of material to start producing that mm -hmm. DC was so enthusiastic about us doing. So it was all this opportunity to write, and now. And, and, and having just a, a memory of what it feels like not to be able to keeps you very enthusiastic during the day. So the two things together are really, uh, and also I, I get to pay my bills. It, it, like, like, like when you I mean, write, like they, they, a check comes when you're done. Yeah. So all these things, really, uh, really enthusiastic um, way oh. to keep writing. Knowing the time runs out and money. I, I'm a big fan of deadlines. I am. I know writers. Sometimes I hate them. I think I, I, us in the deadline. If you embrace them, you they will you they will make you your best self. I can't function without deadlines. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. And I, I actually, in talking, going back to your earlier question that I never actually answered, um, in the earliest days of Powers, or, or in the early days in the '90s, I when I was a young creator, even at, in college, I gave myself deadlines, and if I didn't hit my deadlines, I was fired. I literally was that nuts, and I was like, but I was like sealed. You team. fired yourself? No, I would like literally. Well, I never missed my deadline because I was very serious. Uh, and, uh, and, but I would, uh, I, I would take it so seriously, and, and and like books like 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 when we were working on Torso, like literally 900 people were buying it monthly. Like no one was buying it monthly, but I acted. If this book doesn't ship, the whole community of comics will collapse and it, like the, the whole Jenga of comics will fall and and I, I but I behaved that way so by the time I got to Marvel I was already behaving that like when, when now I'm doing Spider-Man and X-Men and, and if this doesn't ship yeah something bad something will happen um, so I, I was I had trained myself well for the job that I wanted well so. it's such important training because if you miss a deadline then your writer misses a deadline I mean your artist misses yeah. a deadline um, your editor is completely stressed out. Your colorist is stressed out. Everyone is stressed out down the chain. And for a nice Jewish boy like myself who is raised on stress, and it's perfect. It is, <laughs> it, is, it is. All I can think about is making sure that like our colorists, and really the colorists really are the ones that get the short end of the stick. They're the last step of the, of the chain. So if everyone took a week, it's his week we stole. Right. right, so his or her. So we um, um, want to make sure that we, we, we do that correctly. I think about that all the time. If I miss, they miss, they miss. And also, in comics, we see other creators doing this all the time. We yeah. see them messing up, and you see how stressful it is to an editor and how it really you can really threaten an editor's job by messing yeah. up that way. Even, oh, even like a brand new creator, uh, if you mess up, you really can get your editor fired. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't think some creators even think that way or understand it. Um, because the, you know the, their editor or their boss will go, why? Where's this book? Well, and it's one of these things that actually isn't talked about much, I think, in our industry um, about how just missing a deadline, missing a deadline, is so problematic. 
can be so problematic because this is a team effort. It is a collaboration, not just between you and your artists, but between a bunch of different people who rely on you. Yeah, and then the, and then there's the audience as well. Like they've, you know, uh, I'm, I'm sure some of you have had this experience where you pre-ordered a book and. Well, I, I mean, I, I recently got an Amazon update on the book that I ordered so many years ago that I was like, I, I literally had to Google to make sure the creator's still with us. I, I, was like, <laughs> oh, no. I was like, holy Lord. It's so I terrible. know that feeling. I'm sorry, but it happened. And I know that feeling. So as a fan, you never want to do that. And, mm -hmm. you know, life can happen. Like, you know, you can, you, you know, someone gets sick or, or pregnant or, you know, th things, things happen that can delay a book, but so you don't ever want to purposely. No. You know, because of, of Red Dead Revolution 2 be the reason the book is not shipping. Yeah. By the way, and, and I'm, that is a very funny joke, but not to editors, because there's at least one artist I know who were waiting on artwork, and they literally tweeted, 19 hours, Spider-Man, PlayStation. And I'm like, oh, dude, you can do the 19 hours on Spider-Man. Just don't tweet it at us. Don't tell us that's what you did all day. Yeah, Keep come it a on. secret. Yeah, exactly. So what was the transition like from indie to corporate? Was, were there any surprises, good or bad? Um, I, I lucked out because I, 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 had, I had a lot of false starts. I had a lot of almosts and misses, and I was, I was hustling. Like, I was hustling from the age of six to get... I, I, I already decided Marvel needs me, not, not that, that I need them. They need... Oh, my God, I'm gonna, I'll fix all their problems. I, I was incensed <laughs> by their Raiders of the Lost Ark adaptation. Mine would have been so much better. Like, and, and, it's, and it's insane talk, because it's Claus Jansen. It's one of the great comic arts of all time. That's how nuts I was, right? So I... Um, and I've told... I've, I've, I've expressed this to Claus. I've, 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 we've gone through this as creators. He understands okay. that I, it was not a personal thing. And um, uh, yeah, yeah, and I, uh, but I would, I would, I would send in constantly send in portfolio submissions and uh, and and I, but in 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 the, uh, it's funny how arrogant it was. It, it, so it's adorable how how I was so sure that one of these is going to get in, and I'm so glad I went in there with Gong Ho because every time I got knocked down, um, it taught me a lesson, mm -hmm. and. Going back to what we were talking about before, about what people are afraid of. Oh, failure is so much fun. Failure, it, yeah. failure mm -hmm. people are terrified of it. They're so deeply terrified of it. And I have failed, and I'm talking, and I'm not talking about commercial failure because that that it really doesn't matter. It, it, like I'm talking about creative. I'm talking about like 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 owning your moment and 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 having a moment and, and grabbing it and making the most out of it. And uh, and 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 a lot of that has to do with getting to your truth. Going back to what we were talking about earlier, but the the the, the fear uh, the fear of failure so consumes people that they 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 stop they just they just freeze and distract themselves with something else mm -hmm. and never even face the fact that they even not even knowing that was failure not trying was man. yeah, yeah. It's, yeah it, and every failure has made me go oh that, oh man that's I I feel so much better about myself having mm -hmm. failed. So de desperately, and I've done it publicly, and I've done it privately. I've done it, you know, I, and I've done it on things where I've I've won awards for that I know I I I, I could do better. That uh, that I'll never speak up publicly because I'm not going to ruin the book for everybody. But I'm like I could do better. And and instead of talking about it publicly, and I always hate when actors do that when they tell you some movie they hate. Yeah. Right. I'm like, oh, but I like that movie. You don't have to tell me that. Just do better in your next movie. Just take whatever you feel and do better the next time. So that's what I, that's what I try to do. So. Well, there's a, the novelist John Scalzi has a, a saying that I read years ago, and he said, I'm too lazy to fail. 
<laughs> and I think about that all the time, particularly because writing requires so much tremendous effort and, and you know, you're just working your ass off all the time. And yet, failure, I feel like, doesn't, it doesn't mean what we think of it. No. You know, I'm too lazy to fail. I might fail at a book, but this idea that I would ever go back to doing anything else, never. Yeah. Absolutely never. Yeah, I mean, I, I remember I, the, the only time I was faced with it full blast was I didn't get into the school of my dreams when I was in college. And my friend goes, oh, so I guess you'll go be a doctor. And I went, what? <laughs> what? Like, I'm not giving up. What was that? Like, I, like it was like, it, like, the only time I remember being faced with the question and then, uh, and then so it was never going to be. But, but going back to your, this, just the switch to... Uh, to mainstream, I, I lucked out because I, by the time I broke in, I had broken in, uh, I had achieved a couple of things in independent comics that I didn't think I was ever going to get, like like an Eisner. Like I didn't think that was going to happen. I, I wasn't down that track, and and um, and and so when I when I got into Marvel, I had so many false starts. I had so many like dashed and failed and just completely bizarre uh, submissions that I had sent in over the years that, uh, um, that, that by the time they offered it to me, I was ready. Mm. And, it, and, and also I was ready because it was Joe. It was like a creator was hiring me. So it wasn't some suit, it was one of us. It was a creator I really admired. It was one of my favorite artists called me up and said, your artwork sucks. You're a writer. Let's get going, right? And uh, yeah, I, I've I've told this story quite a few times, but it was uh, uh, David Mack had been hired before me at Marvel Knights, and Marvel Knights was really producing some beautiful work, and really was like the cream of the crop in mainstream comics at the time. And and David was writing Daredevil, and I was like, show him my shit, you know, like as soon as you, you know, we all do that, you know, show show my stuff. And and he did, and he finally got uh, to a place with Joe. We showed Joe a couple of my graphic novels. Joe called me right away. And then, and then I, I, I literally was like, um, uh, he goes, what would you do if you came to Marvel? Like, what, where are your passions? And I said, well, what do you need an artist for? And there was like literally dead silence on the phone. And, and he goes, well, and your artwork's not very good, Brian. You, you, you know, he goes, you know, your artwork sucks. He goes, you know, you're a very good writer. He goes, I was assuming you were writing, you were drawing to show off your writing. And I was like, no, but I, I, my initial feeling was that this is either going to be the greatest boss of all time, right, right? Or, or this is going to go badly in a few months. And I, would, I was, because I, I've, I've got a mom. You know what I mean? Like, I, I got someone who's going to hang my stuff on the refrigerator and tell me right. I'm awesome. I, I, I need a, a boss that will tell yeah. me the truth. Tell me, like, mm -hmm. that's what you need in life. You need people who will constantly tell you the truth. So, and, and also, like, once you realize, oh, I'm now on the real stage of comics. Like, like, and I remember, like, when I got Daredevil or Spider-Man, uh, Joe had said, welcome to comics. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've been making comics for, like, nine years. He goes, yeah, welcome to comics. And I didn't know what he meant. Mm -hmm. And then when my first Marvel comics came out, I was like, whoa, this is a, this is a way different ex experience. There's, like, actual people reading them. So, um, yeah, it was... Uh, but, but, but I love, no, but, but like all, you know, the people who read independent comics love their comics. And it's a deep passion and it's tight and, and it was my message board and, and we're, we're all buddies and, and friends and maybe there's people here from there that it's, it's a real great bond. And then, and then you get to hear from the Daredevil fans. That's a, that's a, different, <laughs> that's a different experience, right? And then... Um, and it was all just building up to hear from the X-Men fans. That's, yeah. that's the, the most hardcore of hardcore. Oh. Right? Right? <laughs> yeah. And, and it was funny because even then I had been, I would just done like nine years on, on Avengers and I was taking over X-Men and uh, a couple of X-Men 
uh, uh, creators of, of past went, get ready. I'm going, oh, come on, man. I've been writing Avengers. They go, oh, no, no, no. Every X-Men is someone's favorite. That's a very unique experience. Mm-hmm. You know, that like if you, that there's other, you know, that there, there's a couple favorites, but every X-Men is someone's favorite. You're going to hear from everybody, so. No, it's, yeah. it's, it's the pantheon of the gods. Yeah. It's a religion. And, and, I, and I feel like I climbed that. You, you, you're right, you climbed, that, you climbed the wall that can't be climbed. It's mm-hmm. a, it's a, it, and also, the reason it's on my mind, I'm actually, last night was writing uh, an X-Men movie for Fox, which is very funny. Brian. I, it's funny. No, it's just because I'm so immersed in DC. I'm so <laughs> deeply, deeply in my, in, in living in the daily uh, planet. Yeah, that I, that I, uh, that I, that I, it's funny to be back in the X-Mansion. Well, I, hmm, I'm not going to ask for spoilers, even though I dearly want to, but congrats. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of gossip about what it is online. That's okay. all I can say. All right. Yeah. Um, <laughs> wow. Uh, so, um, I mean, but, anyway, but I can keep going with the transition because because the, the, it was a big, it honestly it was a big deal that moved to to mainstream comics. I learned yeah. almost everything I really learned about comics. I learned in that first year at Marvel. Like, well, what was the biggest thing you learned? Um, the relationship with the audience uh, was a big one. I, 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 you know, I, I had such a snarky um, little like Don Rickles attitude about everything. In, in, you know, my, my Powers Letter column was just me goofing on everybody and, and just having fun with it. And it was just making, having fun everywhere. And then when, when, you, when you get to Daredevil, you, you, we're not joking around anymore, buddy. This is Hell's Kitchen. Yeah, so, yeah. I, uh, but I, 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 but I enjoyed it. But that, but even like when I got there, like there would be people like reading Spider-Man every week and screaming at me about it. And I'm like, well, why do you buy it if you don't like it? Like I don't understand. Like I'm, I'm confused by that. Like there's, I, I can't get through seven pages if I don't like something. I'm out in seven pages. I got, I got kids. I got life. I got, you know, I'm, uh, you know, and, uh, and, and so I, I flat out once asked the question. I said, what, what's the um, why are you buying this book if you, if, and, and they said, oh, you know, you like comic creators. I go, yeah. I go, well, we're, we're like Marvel fans. We're like Yankees fans. Like, I'm going to give you a sports analogy. You're going to have to go look up, but because I don't know sports at all. I go, but, but we, we're like Yankees fans, and we're going to scream the loudest if you win, and we're going to boo the loudest if you fail. And that, once that was opened up to me, mm-hmm. I loved it. I, I completely Her, played that game. I've never heard that before, and now it, it makes sense. I, I honestly, it was one, of, one of the guys me. on my message board said it to me, and it completely changed my stuff. Mm-hmm. I, I was so grateful, and, I, and I've said it a few times in interviews because I want whoever that person was to tell them, you completely made my life easier. And was Joe your first editor? Well, yeah, he was, he was Marvel Knights with Joe and Nancy, and then literally I'd written uh, like two issues of Daredevil, and they were written for like my best friend David Mack, and they asked us to like, come in and do Daredevil because Kevin Smith is very late. And if you could just hold... This is what happens when you miss a deadline. No, but, but also, but, uh, my, my career is filled with me being there when someone else blew a deadline. I tell this to every creator because I, my, my fortune has been made on other people blowing their deadlines. And, and it, it, Daredevil was, was a gig that someone, it was someone else's job and they didn't hand in their job. They go, they go, here, you guys do a few issues. And then we did our few issues and then they go... Actually, do a few more. He'll, he's going to come back eventually. And so my first run on Daredevil was, my first six issues was, was I thought I was like treading water for, for, for this big comeback. And then when he, when, and then he wasn't coming back. Yeah. What? Yeah, and then, and then I stayed. Yeah. That's... 
And Ultimate Spider-Man was someone else's job. There was, it was someone else had the job. And oh. yeah, yeah. All right. Yeah. So I, and I, I don't say it to be mean to the oh. other creators or anything, but it, it, it is a, when people ask what the magic trick is, show up. Show up. Yeah. Show up. Yeah. Oh, I, damn, stunned you. I stunned you. No, but yeah. I mean, but also that's just, but also that's just awesome because it's, it's, you were such a phenomenally hard worker with so much passion, but it's opportunity meets, you know, the skill, the talent, whatever. And it's, you know, and that's how luck happens. Well, the other, right. the other thing is people break in and they think that's it. Yeah. Though the, the, oh, easy, no, the no. easiest part is breaking in. Mm -hmm. It really is. You think it's the hardest part. It's, it's maintaining is, is, is because it's not set up to, for the creator to stay. No. It's, it's actually set up for the creator to be, to, to be cycled out. Yeah. And, and so you have to kind of make your own choices. And a lot of creators think that the publisher is making the choice for them. And they're not. They're just, it's not, it's not, it's like, you know, you're looking at the wrong thing. You have to make the choices yourself. So, and I was all very grateful that like my, like Joe and the people in my life at Marvel were, were very helpful to me and also making that clear. Like, like you know, a, a no is a very powerful, good thing. And not, it's not a bad thing because some creators think that if you say no to a job, oh, they're never gonna ask me for, never ever. Nope, not, it's not the case. Mm -hmm. they'll, they'll take you much more seriously. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you, you know your value. Yes. Yeah. Or, 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 or good, you're not gonna waste my time and write something that you don't like. Mm -hmm. Editors really admire a no, mm -hmm. they really do. My first editor was John Barber, and he, um, he is the reason why I was able to maintain a career at Marvel. Um, but also, having been a novelist and having seen how people could be completely irrelevant after one novel, I also knew going in that the key wasn't, like you said, it wasn't just that you get a book, it's about maintaining your presence and continuing to write and taking on projects. And that was, oh, that's a hard, hard, hard fought battle. It is, it, it's, yeah. it's, it's shocking for some people to find out how much of life is like a video game. Yeah. And that it's, it, you always get to, you think you're gonna hit the boss level and well, oh, no, that was just the door to the next thing, you know. Gotta yeah, claw. it's, con it's constant, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, matter, no matter what. Like, and, and doing that while all the time centering yourself on what you have to offer as a creator, what your, what your truth is, what, what, what your goals are, mm -hmm. is, is, is the most important thing. Mm -hmm. and, and, and for those sitting here, and I know there's quite, quite a few writers in here looking for, that, for, for, that, for, for me to say that, and it's absolutely 100% true. You're gonna, you're gonna be constantly surrounded by people testing your um, ability to stay true to yourself. There's gonna be constant constant ask for compromise. Some of it's gonna seem um, uh, tiny, and some of it's gonna seem enormous, and, and sometimes the enormous ones are gonna seem uh, so enormous you have to think about it for a while. Like, why am I being asked to make something red when I know it should be blue? Sorry about that. That's right. And, um, and, and so, and so uh, you, your job as a creator, no, no matter what, is, is, to, is to stay true to yourself. And by the way, you can do it being polite, and, and lovely. You don't have to scream no, no, no at people when you're when you when you because that that happens a lot. Well. But <laughs> but I, I do I do think that kindness and passion you can get a lot done. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yes. 
Now, um, also the great thing about comics is that the wheels turn so fast that if you just come at them with a strong take, I'm, 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 and I, again, I know this is one of the things that people think I'm in a privileged position, but the, you're talking about my first years at, at, at Marvel. I did not have a privileged position, but I would come at, the, at them with such a strong take on Spider-Man that they went, okay, it's either yes or no, and, and this time it was yes after nine years, it was, it was a yes. So, and and the, the wheel has to turn so quickly, they don't have time to, to, to really to second guess you until next issue. No, you can true. really keep going for a while. I've used that trick. I've it's a good trick. trick. Yeah, it's uh, not one. It's it's one that you don't do um, like evilly. No. But you go, oh, I yeah, <laughs> or at least I don't. No, but if you wanna if you wanna slip in a couple, you know, a couple moments in your story that are a little bit more progressive than what other people might want, it's a good opportunity to do so. <laughs> you just do it. Um, well, since. This actually segues nicely because you've actually, since you know you started at Marvel, gone on to sort of shape much of what we know about the Marvel universe. Um, uh, it's hard for me to see it that way. Okay, well, you know, for the rest of us, I mean, there was a, no, there was an enormous amount of people in any room I was in, sure. all, always. So okay. it's always I, I always felt that to me like I had a front row seat to it mm -hmm. more than I more than a um, uh, more than what the way you wording it, I had an, an outstanding seat to one of the great pop culture stories of, of our generation. I was there when they were in bankruptcy. Like when I, my first visit to Marvel, they were selling, um, they were selling filing cabinets for cash. There was actually a post-it note on a pile of filing cabinets that said sold on them and the lights were off in the bullpen. And you've, you've visited, right? Oh yeah, no, I've heard the stories also about yeah. how they limited toilet paper yeah. in the bathrooms because it would cost too much. Yeah, so I was there for that, and then I was there for this. So yeah. it was, so it's been quite a, quite a I, there, was, there was genuine times where I thought, oh, am I writing the last Marvel comic? <laughs> what an honor. I literally said, well, if I'm writing the last Marvel comic, really, really bring it home, because okay. it, <laughs> it really felt that way. You're literally like, oh, every, they hired me because everyone else left. <laughs> It really felt, a lot of people went uh, off to video games and me and David were there going, oh, at, least, at least we get to do it once. <laughs> yeah. Yay. Yeah, it, it did, but I was, I was, but the other version was that um, in, in bankruptcy, in, in complete devastation comes, hey, let's roll up our sleeves and go nuts. Let's everyone just, everyone just tell crazy stories and there's like, listen, if we're closing the doors, we might as well go out swinging. And so there was, that kind of feeling too, and um, the boss who was running it was determined not to let the doors close. So he was making deals with Payless Shoes and getting Ultimate Spider-Man in every shoebox in the country, and and so there was a lot of, of genuine movement to get the to get the ships running. Um, but the, with hiring me and Mark Miller and a few other people, was definitely like, hey, let's let them do it. Everybody, <laughs> nothing else is working, and uh, <laughs> and 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 that. And with that comes genuine. Enthusiasm, like if everyone's, we're kind of creating for the right reason, you know. Well, Jim Lee um, calls you an impact player. Um, and uh, what does that mean? I, I I'll have to means, Google that later. I assume it means good things. Um, I hope so, yeah, yeah. And that you, you know, you make a lot of changes, um, good changes. And, um, and I was just, you know, I'm not going to ask you for like long term spoilers as far as the DC Universe goes. But what has been one of the great joys and difficulties in the transition to DC? Well, uh, first of all, and we're talking about fear earlier. Mm -hmm. This, this, the move to DC terrified me. I, it was, it was, it was deeply scary. And um, and there's quite a few things I've done this year that I've been as scared creatively as I've ever been. 
Uh, and, and I'm so, uh, if I may, deeply proud of myself for putting myself in this situation yet again where I could have um, uh, not, I could have uh, picked things that I, I could have relaxed a little bit, but th this, this, this whole year has been just, just, just a, uh, a holding on to the railing you know, thing. But the, the, the plus for me was, and the, the choice was made before I got sick, was um, getting to write Superman all year uh, after everything that we, me and Elisa had been through and, and, the trans, and, and everything that's going on in the world and trying to raise uh, my multiracial family in this uh, increasingly stressful nightmare that world that we're growing in. Uh, I, I, having to spend hours a day trying to think what would the best person do like all he can do is the best thing. What's the best thing? And it and it and it makes me feel of this um, David Mamet line from the movie Heist that that I that I used to quote all the time, but now I'm kind of living it. It's a Gene Hackman is this is this thief, and they go, "How did you come up with this great plan?" He goes, "I thought of a smarter person, and I thought, what would they do, right?" <laughs> and I and I and I literally that's how I think when I'm writing Sp uh, Superman. Oh, I did it. Uh, 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 Superman is as I think. Well, he's, he's better than me, what would he do, right? And so you have to spend hours a day be, thinking what the, the best thing you could do is. And then when you're, when you're out in the real world, you can't then go fight with people at the grocery store. You're, you're thinking about, you're thinking like, like Superman. I'm being much more helpful. I'm being much more, can I help you with that, ma'am? I'm doing that a lot more than I used to do. And, and I, I find my, my, uh, my parenting uh, zen, my calm, the calm you have to have, <laughs> When, when faced with, you know, um, and I, I have four kids, so we can really get a, a circus going. Um, it, it's much more, uh, more potent. My, my, I, I do everything but the hands on the hips. But I, uh, but I, but, so I'm, I'm insanely grateful for Superman being in my life right now uh, at this age. And I, and I think a lot about how much of Peter Parker is inside me and, and how much of that nervous energy uh, that I, I, I poured into my pages that I lived with and now, as a, as, a, as a more mature man, I, I, uh, I, I, I have a more centered energy, and now I'm more tapped into that. Yeah. So I find that fascinating. And Miles is quite in the middle there. So I'm always, I've always kind of journeyed with, with my energy without, without being conscious of it. Mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm grateful for that. The hardest thing is DC continuity. It's, <laughs> holy Lord. It's, like you're Wait, it's worse than Marvel? Yeah, well, Marvel never rebooted. For all of its oh. Michigas, Marvel is a straight line, right? It's a straight line, you know, but it, it, right. it, it yeah, but, but, yeah, but, 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 but there have been start, start and stops. Oh. So you could be reading a graphic novel and then find out, oh, no, this doesn't, this doesn't count, right? So, so that, that is the biggest Oh, uh, I can see that would be a pain in the ass. Yeah, but, but honestly, there was like a um, DC Universe year-by-year -year visual book that helped me put it all together. It was so great. One of those big, giant DK books, you know? Okay. It helped me just line it all up and, and, and uh, make some choices for myself that was uh, really, really great. So, yeah. Okay. Of all the things, this, this, was, this, this really helped me. Yeah, because I'd read all, almost all of it, and also the, how interesting it is to have read so much stuff as a fan, never giving it any like potent brain power, like what would I do with Batman? Like I never actually went there because I have so much of that part of my brain is in use right, right. now. I never was like fantasizing about what, you know, Legion of the Superheroes would be. Like I never thought of it. But now, like, so rereading this material mm -hmm. as someone who could uh, actually 
help author this is really unique. Oh, it's so exciting, it's deeply exciting. And also just to look at some of the um, choices other creators have made that I may not have understood at the time, but now I can understand them, like as, as, a, as, a, as a creator with a little bit more under my belt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So both things. And also, I must say, I love, there's something genuinely awesome about living in the DC universe right now because it is not our world. It's a different you know what I mean? It's a, there's different. It's a it's Marvel is our world. It's New York City and Chicago and L.A. D.C. is Metropolis Gotham. There's there's a there's a, uh, a disconnect that now lets us get to more truth. Mm. You know what I mean? Now now we're in a fantasy world, like you, like in Monstrous. So now I can really talk about some stuff because mm -hmm. we're not. I'm not pointing any fingers. I'm just talking about real stuff. Got it. Yeah. So that I love. Okay. Yeah. Well, how do you feel about? Taking questions. I want to take some questions. All right, let's yeah. do it. All right. Oh. <laughs> my, my pleasure. The conversation thus far. Uh, so, so, I will that, so that we can include you in the videos, we do need people who want to ask questions to please go to these mics that are in the hallway, uh, or in the uh, walkways here, the stairways. And I will say that uh, if you have specific questions about your writing that you say, I don't want to ask that in a microphone, do it. Because you'll be surprised how many people are feeling the same feeling or expressing the same, uh, or, or having the same frustrations. So, or we could just, uh, here we go. Thanks. You could do it. Writing Yay. can be. Right, don't be shy. Yeah. This is a great I opportunity. <laughs> I love the awkward. All right, over here, go ahead. Uh, hi. So. I think your, the ending, the death that you gave Peter Parker in your run for Ultimate Spider-Man is, I, I honestly think it's one of the most beautiful comics, comic moments I've ever seen. Thank you. How did you feel when another writer decided to just drag, drag the dead horse back out? <laughs> oh, no, no, I, I, draw, I dragged that horse out. I, 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 wanted, that, uh, I wanted that horse back out. What, uh, what motivated you to do that? Um, I knew I was leaving, and I wanted to put the toy back for other writers okay. to have. Why should they be denied what I was given, which is that playground that I, I loved? And I, I, and I, I often think um, what I would want if I, would, like, if I was the other creator, and I'll just do that. Because yeah. you, you hear, Sue, and we've both heard these horrific stories of, creators just screwing over other creators like with storylines or just editorial decisions that they knew was going to mess them up and I would I, I would like to go through life never having anyone ever said that about me it was so, just it was just know. interesting since like your run with Miles Morales was great um, and I thought you'd beautifully just set him up as like you know the mainstay in the ultimate universe since it was removed but Regardless, that's cool. Thank you. No, you know what? I just thought we got to a place where we could have both, and um, uh, I think the movie proves uh, me right. So, yeah. All right, we'll go over here. I, I rarely have proof that I was right about anything, so. <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, I got to uh, via Powers. That was my first introduction. I, and I hadn't really actually read the Marvel um, bits. But uh, on whole A, are you going to do any more Powers uh, Bureau? And secondly, could you discuss a little bit, since you were, I, I didn't realize you were an artist, I'm not that familiar with your background, uh, your cooperation as a writer with your artists. And yeah. If you just talk about that a little bit. I, I, two things, number one, yes, yes, the good news, great, I have uh, Powers Good News, which is that the 20th anniversary, because 
we're, we're old people, is, uh, um, is, is uh, this summer. And so uh, DC Comics will be releasing a brand new Powers graphic novel that's already written and drawn. Uh, and uh, we're actually adding a lot more onto it because when we realized it was the 20th anniversary, we were going to make it a very special celebration. We're not putting it out as a miniseries, but as a graphic novel, so no one has to wait. They can just have it because we're, we're sorry for the wait. So yes to more powers. And, <laughs> and, it's, and, it's pretty, and it's pretty big. It's like 180 pages long. So it's, it's a, it's, there's a lot, of, lot, lot to show you there. Uh, and powers is actually a great example of, of why I'm not drawing. Uh, because literally when I first met Mike Oming at a, at a signing in Philadelphia, you, me and David Mack and Mike Oming, we just didn't really know each other. We were coming buds on the road. And uh, Mike was developing his, what would become his power style. And he went home and he sent over um, uh, drawings of my character Jinx and David Mack's character Kabuki in that style that he was drawing. And I immediately would have rather that book be in Mike's style than my style. Like, I immediately was like, I, like personally, as a fan, I would rather read this than what I'm doing. And I, I, I called up David and I said, are we going to fight over him or can I just have him? Because <laughs> clearly we, we need to work with him. And so I, 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 and Mike and I were not friends. We did not know each other. And I just called him up and I said, I have this idea it's in a homicide book, and, and um, he literally that night sent in the first drawings of uh, Christian Walker, and um, Mike was over my house two nights ago, and I can tell you that he is like my brother. Like, so I went from like, like throughout the creation of Powers and everything we've been through and the TV show and all that, having just created my family around that is, is quite something, so. Thank you. Yeah. Marjorie, do you want to mention your relationship with your artist with Monstrous? Yeah, because mm. that was the first question I asked you when I saw you today was, was ab about how you guys work together. You know, I actually met Sana um, when we were working on X-23. She was the fill-in artist initially, and then I loved her work so much. It was so evocative um, that I requested her when our actual artist, you know, went off to do other things. I think he was pulled, you know, for an Avengers event or something. And so... Um, Is this me you're talking about? Actually, I don't think okay, so. Okay, I, think okay, it was, I don't think so. But okay. Anyway. Okay. So it worked out for me, you know, a great opportunity yeah. because we just totally, I, I mean, I fell in love with her style. She was absolutely amazing. But, um, and what's happened since then is that, you know, we're doing Monstrous and, you know, all right, and she lives in Japan. Um, when we first started out, she didn't speak any English. Mm. Um, she, wow. had a trans, she had an interpreter, uh, translator. And so she would get the scripts in English, they would be translated into Japanese, and then she would just draw them. And she would draw her X-23 books in like two weeks. Like, I swear to God, this woman was like a beast. She would just whip them out. And, and Monstrous now takes her about six to seven weeks per issue. Um, but the detail and the, um, what she pours into this book, you know, the, our collaborative process, for me is, is like having a psychic bond with someone. Because even when, before we started writing the first issue, I would give her notes, and the barest, barest notes. And she would come back with these character designs that were as if she had reached into my head and pulled out my dreams. It was actually incredibly profound. And so whenever I get pages from her, it is like I'm seeing someone just manifest my imagination on the page. It's one of the most beautiful things I've experienced. And I've worked with a ton of amazing artists. Basana, Whatever we've got going on, I have no words for it, but it's special. And sometimes in this business, that's what makes it really beautiful when you collaborate with an artist. 
and you, you just, you click. Something happens. And no matter, the rest of the world could hate your work and be like, this is the worst thing we've ever read, but between you and this other creator, it's magic. And, yep. and for me, that's one of the reasons why I write comics, because I love the medium, but also because I love the collaborative process and I love that magic. Great. Well, I, and, and, and I, I was telling you, uh, Sana really upsets a lot of other artists. It's so, <laughs> it's so intricate, because there's literally two things she does that are antithetical to like uh, what most comics are, which is she designed costumes that are so elaborate mm. that she now has to draw in every panel that elaborate, because mm -hmm. now that book is about elaborate design, right? So, um, and it made me laugh because I thought like Joe uh, and Sa uh, Sarah Pacelli were designing Miles Morales' costume and they did the reverse uh, web line, which is so hard to draw, ask anybody. It's, it's literally the opposite of easy. And, and, and so, and Joe came up with it and then left. And then like, and like so all these artists and I stuck drawing the, 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 uh, the hardest costume, right? And, 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 and she's doing it with glee. Like in, in, in Monstrous. Well, I don't know the Glee, but she's definitely doing it. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing. But you definitely have that thing. Once you're like working with someone who doesn't even speak the same language as you, but it's working, mm -hmm. and you know it's working on this other level. You're like you want. You just want to run it and scream to everybody. It shouldn't be working. It's 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 the best feeling in the world. It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. Okay, over here. Hi. Uh, first of all, thank you. Um, there's been so much of your work that's meant so much to me. So thank you. I appreciate it. Um, secondly, as far as the question, um, you mentioned there being so much of Peter Parker in you, and um, I assume that's kind of a two-way street. Um, <laughs> how do you... <laughs> Isn't everything, though? Well, yeah. yeah, like, as a writer, that's what you have to do, but but how? Like, I'm, I'm working on a project right now that's one of those things where, like, the, fears, the fear makes it really easy to want to stop, and I don't think I can, but it's so much of me that it's hard to get that out, especially, like, a character who's a different generation, for example. You may have heard people talk about this online. It's very hard to talk about, but what you, you what you need to do is, is to get into almost a Zen state when you're when you're writing, which is and I'm not saying like alter yourself, but stop thinking about all the stuff you're thinking about. Just don't think about anything about what this character needs to do right now. Like right this second, what does this character need to do, right? And if you have trouble even getting there, you can start with the easiest thing you can do in genre, which is take your character and put them in the place they least want to be, all right? Whatever that is. And, and let's say you're writing about you. Where was the place that you least wanted to be at the moment? And then put yourself there and then write yourself out of it, all right? And just do that. And by doing that, you've now created almost like a survivor story where you're not even thinking about anything but how can I get out of this situation? And then you're going to read back what you wrote and go, oh, I wrote all that stuff I was worried about. It's all in there. All right, all that stuff happens, but only when you literally stop thinking about it. It's literally like if you stop thinking about being single. Like, you know what I mean? Like, if you, like it's the same thing. Like, well, the minute you stop thinking about it, you meet the perfect person, right? It's it's the same thing. Just stop thinking about it, and you, and you will get there. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. Okay. Thanks. All right. And I know it's one of those things that's easier to to do than say, but but I I I've, I. Talk to a lot of creators about it, and it, and it really is. You just gotta, you gotta, you gotta just get there. I'm done. I'm done worrying about it. I'm just gonna do it. And then and then sometimes it's always a matter of just looking at one other creator, going, oh, they did it, and they're stupid. I'm gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. So, 
And I know that I'm that for a lot of people. There are people who read my scripts and go, he can't even spell. <laughs> and he got in. So, yeah, get in. There you go. Sorry. Hey, Mr. Bendis. I've been a big fan for a long, long time. Thank uh, you. I'm a little nervous, actually. Oh, don't I, be. Thank you. <laughs> I kind of got like a two-part question. I was wondering what you thought about of the Heroes in Crisis-like story. And, oh. uh, you know, how, like, writers decided the fight, like, anybody could beat anybody. Who would win a fight between Captain Marvel and Superman, if you were to write that? <laughs> oh, who would win a fight between Captain Marvel and Superman? Y yes, sir. Oh, Superman. But the, to ask your... Uh, <laughs> Thank you. What asked, to, your, to your earlier question, now, I do love Heroes in Crisis, and I'll tell you why. Uh, I, I, what, we're, what Tom is bringing is real truth. He, he, he has lived a life and has feelings and has no problem putting them on the page and, and is doing so almost in a, like a punk rock kind of like way that I think is very, very good for comics and is, is exactly what I'm speaking of. Uh, and, and I can point to, see, that, that's what I'm talking about. That's his truth. And, and, I, and for me, who, who never had PTSD in my life uh, up until this year, I'm actually genuinely grateful for him like, I got to read the first three issues of Heroes before anyone else did, and I was like, I genuinely don't know if this is just what I needed right now or this is, your, this is the best thing you've ever done because this, this, this hit me. This, it, it punched me right in the chest yeah, and made me feel better. Yeah, it's definitely hooking. Like, yeah, and I, I, I can't I go, wait for I, the next issue. I, I can't even tell you how many comics have made me feel that way. You can count them on a hand, like, deeply, like, hit me, right? So I was, I was, I was grateful for it. So, yeah. Thank you, sir. Thank you, man. It's good to meet you. Thank you. Hey, just want to say thanks to both of you for putting this event on. This has been great. Um, Thank you. When you said earlier, you know, learning how to say no to a project, that seems really odd to me just because in my day job, you're taught you never say no to a project, right? You always say yes. You take on more work. You put more on your plate. When do you know when to say no? Well, it's different for freelancers. There's, there's a different... I, 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 I've never had a real job, but I know people who have, and they've told me about it. So <laughs> I, 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 I know that there's, there's a different... You, there, there's different ways to success in, in, in different things. But for freelancers, you're, every time you take a job, you, it could be Scrooge McDuck, you're giving, your, you're giving of yourself. You're putting yourself, you're putting your name on something and you're, and you're putting yourself out there. It is, it is a piece of you. And you really should take that under consideration. And, I, and you know what, man? I, I'm not taking away from, the, like, you know what? I need to pay my rent. And I've done, I did a Star Trek gig to pay my rent, and then in, and, but okay, find my truth in there. Absolutely, you can, you absolutely take a gig, but, but then find, 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 find yourself. Find, find a reason that makes it special that you did it. So. Am I answering it also, Marjorie? Oh, for yeah. me. No, please. Um, yeah, no, I, um, I've had, I've, I've gone through certain situations in my life um, as a writer where I have been asked to do certain things. Um, like, one of, the first question, one of the first big questions I was ever asked that I had to say no to was that an editor wanted me to, um, wanted me to change my name um, because it was thought that a Chinese name wouldn't sell books. What? Yeah. And I said no to that. And so you get questions like, if you're, you know, if you're a person of color, sometimes you get questions like that. Um, I have been, you know, I was asked to make a character um, white um, because they didn't like the fact that the hero was brown um, and that they didn't want to have to put a brown person on the cover of the book. Mm. And I had to say no to that. Um, now, that's just with novels. 
Um, oh, thank God. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, comics aren't entirely safe, but it was, it was a little... Okay. They're, they're comics not entire, have problems. Yeah, they're not entirely off the hook. But, no, I was thinking, um, I couldn't even think of who you were talking about. Oh, no, no, no so this, was not, this was when I started out my career as a novelist. Um, it, you know, when it, came to, when it came to Marvel, for example, I was actually pretty lucky at Marvel to work with fantastic people. But towards the end of my time at Marvel, not including Han Solo, I got to the point where um, I was just itching to do something else. You know, when you write corporate comics, at a certain point sometimes, you know, you're writing for a corporation. You don't own the characters. And that's something that's easy to forget, you know, because I became so invested in characters like X-23 and the X-Men and all of that, and then all of a sudden you're like, it doesn't matter how much you remind yourself that they're not yours. At a certain point, you know, you, you forget in order to invest yourself in and the writing. My, and my, the, the way the, the universe keeps reminding me is crazy. The, yeah. Miles is on the cover, is on the can of Campbell's soup this week. There's Campbell's soup cans. Yo, It's really? crazy. Yeah, no, I, I didn't know that was a goal of mine until I saw it. I go, <laughs> I'm so proud of myself. You're like, yes. <laughs> and I, and so I got offered, you know, towards the end I got offered two books and I would have, under certain circumstances, I would have loved doing them, but I realized the corporate controls were going to be such that I couldn't tell the story I wanted to tell. I couldn't. And I, I decided that it was time for me to do independent comics. I had to leave. It didn't, I didn't have a project. I didn't have Monstrous at that point. I didn't have anything to, to cushion the fall. I just knew I couldn't do this anymore. I had to write my own thing. And so I said no. I said no to two big books that, you know, otherwise might have been great to do, but I was done. So it happens. Yeah, and by the way, you could hear these stories going back. The, uh, the Terry Gilliam story is that they, they wanted him to do the hottest script in Hollywood was Enemy Mine. Mm -hmm. And he said, no, I got a better script. It's Brazil. They go, better than Enemy Mine? <laughs> and then they, then they made his movie. That, that's, that's a no is very, very sexy. Yeah, it's very it powerful. It really is. No is powerful. Yep. Mm -hmm. I have two questions, one short and one long. The first, the short one is you said three words that really hit my heart, which is a legion of superheroes. So is there anything you can say about them? They're uh, cool. Yeah, uh, you know, because uh, legion fans want them to come back. They're worse than X-Men fans, I, it, I think. All I can say is that if someone was preparing a run on legion supers, it is easily the hardest um, job to prepare reference and research for that, that they could ever imagine. But I just, that's all I heard that. I don't know if that's true. Okay. And then second, you know, I grew up in a time where um, it was letter columns that you learned how people felt about a book, and that was five months after the issue came out. And now you've got Twitter where people will give full reviews in 140 characters. And so my question to you, really both of you is, how do you interact with fans that way? Do you read blogs? Do you check tweets? Do you shut them all out? Do you go to places like CBR or Bleeding Cool and read what they have to say? Do you go to message boards? Like, I mean, do you immerse yourself in what fans have to say or do you distance yourself or is it a mix? I'd like to hear your answer on this. <laughs> um, I am not, you know, ever since the 2016 election, I've been pulling myself off Twitter because it just became too stressful. And I realized that I could be an advocate and an activist in ways that didn't involve 140 characters, but that involved actual real life feet on the ground work, um, also including the work I was doing, the writing. <laughs> um, and so, but, but even before that, um, I didn't read reviews. Um, I never read reviews as a novelist. I didn't go to Amazon and scour, you know. <laughs> um, I didn't do it because, um, and occasionally, you know, you can't always escape reviews. 
And if they were negative, I read the negative reviews and I was grateful for them because I inevitably learned something. Criticism is good. You know, you can learn a lot. And sometimes it's valid, sometimes it's not, but you take what you think is useful and you incorporate that. You know, because as a writer, I am always learning. There has never been a point in my life where I thought, damn, I got this. Because I don't. Yeah, yeah. I just don't. <laughs> yeah. I, we, we know a couple of people who genuinely feel that way once in a while. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, like Mark Miller. He says it online all the time. So it's not like we're gossiping. He constantly goes, nailed it. I go, I've never felt that. <laughs> never. I've never, never felt that. And never. Then, and he genuinely feels it. And sometimes he's right. He nailed it. But I've, yeah. I've never ever felt that in my Never life. Never felt that way. And so, yes. And so, um, and, and also, you know, I think that um, for me, I, I love my readers. And I, for the most, and I, I have really great interactions with my readers um, for the most part, you know, and thankfully. Um, but, you know, I, I will, when I was on Twitter mostly, I would, I would engage every now and then. But for me, to meet a reader in real life and engage, like that's why I do Comic Cons. Because I like seeing people face to face and talking with them and actually, you know, having a conversation. And I grew up before social media. I didn't have the internet until I was 18. I grew up having conversations with people. And I hate to sound so old, but I miss that. I miss that. And that's, that's kind of what feeds me. Yeah, and I, I, I was lucky, like, I came up while, like, the, the social media of comics was building itself. Like, I had a message, I was one of the first message boards, and, and, and while, while, when I was indie, and, and, and so I, I kind of, like, grew up with, as, as it evolved, so I, I was able to, like, gently make the mistakes you would make, which is, oh, they're over there talking about Ultimate Spider-Man, I'll chime in. Oh, they actually did not want me to chime in. <laughs> like, like, no, you learn that. You're like, you're like, oh, we're all friends. We'll, we'll come and I can, I can help with this conversation. Oh, no, that was their conversation and you ruined it by, 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 by showing up over there. So I, you, learn, you, learn, you, you, you learn that. And yeah, you learn just to stay in your lane and if people need you, they, they come find you. Mm -hmm. There's no reason to, to, to venture forth. It's, it's, everyone has their own space. You don't need to, but, but what I, what, I, what I feel deeply honored by, to be honest, and, and this is because I, I, I've gotten to work with so many of my heroes, is that they'll tell you, like Bill Sienkiewicz will tell you, when he was on New Mutants, he, they got two letters. He had no idea he was blowing our minds. He had no idea. He was sitting in his room going, well, I'm taking some big shots here. <laughs> I hope everyone likes it. And, and had no idea that he was like altering us, like literally changing our lives. So I'm genuinely grateful that like every Wednesday, and it, it, it does feel like, like and instead of uh, in sports, they have every, any, every given Sunday, you're the hero or the villain of the, of the game. For comics, it's every given Wednesday. It's every, <laughs> and, any Wednesday, I'm, I'm, uh, I've, done, I've done right or, whoa, you, you know, it's, 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 uh, and, it's and, and most of the time, I have genuinely no idea what it is that's going to uh, set people off, good or bad, and that's a great, that's an exciting feeling. Adventure. It is. It, I do. I genuinely love the adventure, and... As far as critique goes, um, I have found that most of it is is very truthful and honest, and that you can and and the, the ones that aren't, you can tell right away. Like when you see a reviewer talking about it, they wrote the book. I'm like, okay, that you're coming from a different place, right? But when when you read a review and, and it's and it's painful, you go, oh, that's true. Mm -hmm. That that you, then you know that's true. If that if that really hurt your feelings, then that this is this is true, and if 
and I've read like a rave review of something where I said, well, that's not true either. That it is not, it's got some problems. I know what the problems are. I will do better next time, right? But so I've had the experience of both uh, not having my mind changed with someone hated something and I loved, and uh, like it's usually, well, it's my baby. <laughs> you know, and the one that everyone is crapping on, that's the one you, you hug the most, right? And, and, and other things that people have, have been very generous to me about, it I, hasn't made me love it anymore, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. And, and that, but instead of just focusing on that, I, I apply it to the next thing. Like, okay, well then, how I'm feeling now, I should apply to this issue of Superman and make it more honest and more true and, and you know, and do all those things. So I, so I think it's, but, but just spending all day online reading about yourself is, could not be more of a trap. That, like, like, holy Lord, that is not what, yeah, you're not it. supposed to be doing that. You're supposed no. to be researching your work and, and helping other, other creators with their work. That's what you should be doing online. And if I'm sitting here obsessively reading about what people think about the third season of Jessica Jones or something, I, I, that's, that's, uh, it's, I know it's not it's out like yet, internet masturbation. Right. You're just basically just like. Yeah, ego surfing. Yeah. And uh, I think I read, a, I read a quote by Maya Rudolph, of all people, in, in uh, Interview Magazine. And, and she said that she realized that a lot of people on Saturday Live were sitting around reading every review, every tweet, everything, and then they would only be satisfied when they read the worst thing they could possibly read about themselves. Like you could skip over a hundred good comments about, wow, that was funny, blah, blah, blah. But when someone says something so brutal, you go, woof. Like, and, it's, and then she realized it was, some, like, it was like a version of like cutting. Yeah. Like you're literally trying to hurt yourself. You're literally looking for a way to make yourself feel bad so you can feel good. Mm -hmm. and, and then once you realize that, stop. <laughs> that's, you've got to stop that immediately. So that's, uh, yeah, so it's been many, many years since I've ever. Thanks so much. Um, I can help with the Legion if you need it. So what was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I didn't hear it. What did you say? I actually didn't hear I, it either. Ah, uh, uh, thank you. <laughs> yes, over here. Which one's Chameleon Boy? No, I'm sorry. <laughs> Hi, Brian. I've been a fan since the uh, spiral issue of Torso. So a long, long time. Good to see you healthy. That's yeah, really good. Thank you. Um, I know Chaykin's a big influence. I know Mammoth's a big influence. I also know you're a huge Howard Stern fan. And I want to know what your experiences are, you know, growing up with that. And uh, has that influenced you? I know you've had some run-ins with him. I want to hear about that kind of stuff. I, I did. I haven't listened in a few years. It, it, it was the fourth child was the one that night. That was it. That, that was when choices had to be made. And I'm, I'm bummed out because the show has evolved in, in, into a... The, the interviews lately, the Neil Young, I, I do hear the big interviews. Like he did an hour and a half with Neil Young that was just riveting, just about process. It was, it's, it's become a process yeah, well, yeah. junkie show, and yeah. of all the things you think that show would have turned into, that's mm -hmm. kind of amazing. But yeah, years ago, I got a call from Joe Quesada, who said, uh, uh, come, come to New York this week. We have a meeting with Howard Stern. And I was like, what? And I was like, as in, you can get, and he goes, and we... We, we were literally in Howard Stern's apartment talking about making a superhero uh, franchise for him. About, like, y y it was weird. It was a weird day, and I loved every second of it. And it was actually a day he actually took himself off the air to show that the FCC, what it'll be like if the FCC goes after him. And then, and then, and, and so we were there. Well, he was like, shot off cannon. So we're in his, like, penthouse apartment in Central Park West overlooking the <laughs> universe. And uh, the tallest man in the world met this little Jewish man, and, and yeah, he was, it was like meeting, I felt like uh, Frodo. 
It was, yeah, and, uh, um, and, and, and we sat and talked about comic books and making uh, a, a, a superhero out of Howard Stern, and I knew it was never going to happen in a million years. I knew this was the meeting he was taking uh, as the serious deal was being put together, and I didn't mind it at all. Usually, I, you, you get into meetings like that, you're like, oh, this is not a real meeting. You've had those, right? Yeah. Yeah, you go, oh, this isn't real. And, uh, and so, but that one, I was like, I'm completely entertained. I'm getting my own private Howard Stern show. It was, it, and it went on for like nine hours. It was great. That's cool. Yeah, it was, it was the best. Yeah. Uh, just want to say thank you. I've been a, a fan since, since way back, and Ultimate Spider-Man was incredible, and Superman is my all-time favorite, so when you made the announcement you were moving over, I was as thrilled as could be. Um, it, w are there any characters like Connell that, that you knew out the gate you wanted to play with when you moved to D.C.? Like, uh, you know, are there any things that you're like, if I could ever, if I could finagle things that I could play with that guy, I would love to, I would yeah, love to play with Yeah, you're genuinely seeing them. Like, like this is, this is it. You're like, Wonder Comics is a, a, a perfect representation of what uh, I, I thought Elisa and I could bring to, to um, DC that, that they weren't doing, that, that wasn't there. And, and when the idea of the pop-up imprint was, was floated by me, it was, it was an empty, bowl like I could fill it with anything and and I, I was like oh and and my first instinct was oh I'll make a bunch of crime comics and then I realized oh Jinx World is a bunch of I'm actually doing a handful of crime comics right now and and but but boy these all these characters that I love aren't in any book at all and uh and so so Young Justice uh, and and I said like like an ultimate line but like it, with a different purpose but but with with a different but with a similar kind of these characters are at that moment where they're discovering themselves. And, and that's you know, a great thing that comics has. And, and so Young Justice and Wonder Twins and Dial H for Hero. But it's also having Dial H for Hero by Sam Humphreys. Like I, I'm very selfishly making a comic book that I would like to have a copy of. Like that, that, that literally is, I, I've never felt so selfish. And, and Wonder Twins, uh, it, it, yeah, I, I wanted to buy Wonder Twins, and I literally was like, well, I, I wouldn't just buy any Wonder Twins. I, wanted, I would want DC to show me someone where I'd go, oh, I have to buy that. And Mark Russell, who just did Flintstones, and it's, he's absolutely that guy. So we're, we're, we're making comics that I desperately would buy. Yeah. And so the characters, too, all, all of them will be showing up. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. So um, has it been weird watching Scarlet come true? Yes, it is, because uh, I, I do a book called Scarlet that takes place in Portland, and things keep happening in Portland at the same locations that happened in the book that we did photo reference of, and that is <laughs> very strange. Yeah, it's, it's very weird, and I, I was going to ask you about this about Monstrous as well, because it, Monstrous reflects, uh, it was born in a different world, right? Monstrous was born, born uh, years ago in, in, in a different world, and now it's existing in this world. What do you mean in a different world? Well, I, it was before 2016. It was, oh, it was yeah. created, right? That was a very, yes, it, it was, was a, a different very world. different world. No, because Scarlet was born yeah. in, in the Obama years, yeah. and now it's reflected of a completely different society mm -hmm. that, that I, but and reflects its truth differently than I planned, but gets there faster. Mm -hmm. And, and I, I'm, I'm amazed by it. I've never had that feeling before. I've never had a, a narrative uh, alter itself because of the real world, and not alter itself, but but it reflects differently to the the audience sees it differently. Well, it's wonder. Uh, it's weird because sometimes as a writer, you know, in my life, I've wondered sometimes if unconsciously, you know, not just me, but I've talked with other writers who feel the same way that if unconsciously in the moment of creation, we are not like picking up 
on something because so often the work that we do years later or, or not so many years later, it, it, is in the right, it, is, it is in the right moment. You know, it's as if we could tell the future or we could pick up on a thread of the future and we were writing something that there was going to be a need for or that would you know, raise questions that were appropriate for the time that we found ourselves in. And it's a very strange sensation when that happens. Um, the new uh, police, police commissioner, in, uh, a police captain in Portland, her, her last name is Justice. And I'm like, oh, I would never name my character Justice. But it's, anyway. Over here. Thank you guys for being here. Uh, my question is really centered around endings uh, because we live in this culture of, you know, what's next, you know, th there's no cohesive ending for something. And as a, you know, writer and artist myself, I struggle with crafting the ending that feels satisfying while trying to balance the urge to keep pushing forward and to like make that next thing because I'm, I'm genuinely excited. So I'm just wondering if you had advice. It, no, it's, it's something I wrestle with all the time. It's one of those things there's no right or wrong answer for in every project and character offers their own solutions, right? And um, I, at first, I, I come from the Stan Lee school, which is every comic is someone's first and last, and it's your fault either way. Uh, and, and that is that, so that cliffhanger, you know, Stan never ended a story. It never, it never fully ended. It was always like, even if it was a, a big win and a happy ending, oh, but then there was something else, right? right. So there's an, always another reason to pick up the next issue. So I'm, I'm a big, big believer in that. And also, it's a reflection of life. It never... Mm -hmm. it, it just, it, there's always something else. You always like, you, 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 you solve that problem, oh, there's a new problem. So, so I, 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 I focus on making the moments as true as possible. So the ending then becomes inevitable, right? It, it's the only ending the story could possibly have and we couldn't have possibly ever saw it coming. That's, that's the goal for a great ending of a story, right? Isn't that how it's said? That it's, it's, it's the, like when people see it, they go, that's the only ending it could have ever had. Great. And we're going to we're gonna get through every questioner here because we can, am I cutting you off? No, no, no. Well, I was going to, yeah, <laughs> no, never mind. No, no, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was going to add on just really quick that there's something about a beautiful ending, and I think because I come from writing fanfic many, 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 many years ago, that allows for also, in addition to that, possibilities you allow the reader possibilities to continue dreaming of these characters. And I think that's something else that a great ending does. A Lost in Translation, uh, the movie, that, 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 that's, that's the perfect ending to that movie, right? The, the, they go their separate ways with a secret that's none of our effing business, mm -hmm. right? So that, 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 it can be as elegant as that. And, I, and, I th and that's what I think about often, that it doesn't have to be the dust star explodes. It, 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 it can be, I love you. And I, and, I, and, I couldn't, and I couldn't say those words till now. That's a great ending to a story. Thank you. Right. Hey, Brian. Um, I just want to say thank you for co-creating co Miles because uh, uh, I relate a lot to Spider-Man, and it's like cool to see a character. I mean, obviously, there's a bunch of characters like that, like quote unquote, look like me. You know, like you know, Rocket no, and no, stuff I, like that. Yeah. So you, it's it's just cool for that, especially you know when the movie's gonna come out. I'm gonna take my little cousin, so that's gonna be cool. 
Um, and it's good. It's a good movie. I know, right? Uh, I'm so excited. Because <laughs> uh, I didn't have anything to do with making it, so I can say this without any ego. And I can say it with, I was holding my breath, going, please, please, please. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really something. I can still tell him, like, oh, I kind of met the guy that made him. But anyway. <laughs> so uh, two things. Um, the second one's kind of long. But the first thing is uh, I'm a big fan of legacy, uh, legacy characters. Mm -hmm. And I wanted to know if uh, maybe you were going to, uh, in the future introduce like the JSA into like uh, Superman or action comics like not not so much for uh, Superman but for uh, Jonathan you know because it's just kind of like to uh, yeah Jonathan kind of we're, we're, we're I'm a, I also obviously a huge fan of, of legacy characters as well and uh, DC DC is, is a completely unique uh, animal in in that area so there, there's so many characters that are legacy characters that, that, that are sometimes abandoned, you know what I mean? So like, like even like the Young Justice, like all those characters aren't being written right now, so I wanna, I wanna you know, get, get going for there. What's coming with John is a very, very special, unique storyline that's gonna take up this whole run of, of Superman. He's coming back next issue, and he's coming back with an entirely huge story that happened with him and his grandfather and his mother out in space, and, 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 and we're gonna, we're gonna show you some stuff about John and the Superman family we've never seen before, which I'm excited about. And it's, and it's all a reflection, getting back to truth, uh, a reflection of, of, you know, having all my children and all of them having a very unique perspectives and unique abilities and unique needs and, 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 and reflecting that onto Superman and his son is a, a lot of, uh, it's a very joyful thing for me, so. The second thing I wanted to ask is the, it includes about your family also because um, as um, a creator of, uh, of characters that are people of color, is it, um, I want to know about like the kind of the process because I know you said you have a multiracial family. So I want to know like how that, especially like as a white male, like it's how, how does that work exactly? Like the process? It, it's um, number one, it, it's, sometimes it's never as uh, complicated as boy, I'm very aware of what my kids are like taking in in this culture and uh, and the and the voices and the characters that they see and for kids of color it though it is much better than it used to be it is still there's only like a couple of flavors that they see on a daily basis you know the you know the the brown skinned kid is usually the sassy best friend you know other than Casey undercover and a couple others but there, uh, but it, you go yeah there's there's more flavors out there there's more experience and perspective out there that is not being reflected to these children and so they walk through life with, with a culture that doesn't reflect truth to them or they have to dig deep to find something to connect to. And, and when you're aware of that and you're in a position to change any of it or, or to be additive in any way, shape, or form, that you, like, you've got to take every opportunity to do so. So that's where Riri came from and, and, you know, and Miles came from like an earlier version of that thought process. And... Um, and, and now we're adding characters into Action Comics in DC, and uh, we have a new book called Naomi, David Walker and I coming out. For, that's a, a very substantial additive element to the DC universe, not just with what the character and, and, and her point of view, but she's going to be bringing things to the DC universe that were not there before. So it just seems to me that, that, that there's tons of story not being told, and I can get there a little bit from my perspective and, and then I, and hopefully that helps everybody else get, get there as well. But, but yeah, I just, I just, I, I, I see what's missing 
and I, I can't do all of it, but I can do, I can do some of it. And also, I'm not the voice that should do all of it. I, I, there's clearly hundreds yeah. of people more qualified <laughs> to do this, but I'll, I'll do my part. Thank you. Uh, first of all, thank you both. Hi. Uh, hi. <laughs> hi. Uh, second, uh, so you both had the unique and really cool experience of writing characters that have blockbuster legacies behind them. So I was really curious to hear a story of when you felt like balancing that legacy or that maybe corporate identity of character conflicted with your view of that character and how, like, what was the process of either saying no and, and how it was resolved or what was the experience like? Well, I, well, well, you think. I, I will, uh, I, I just, my, my, I don't think about what the corporate thinks about the character. I think about what, like, the world thinks about the character. It is a shared character. Superman is a shared character. That is, that is, all, uh, Superman is everybody. Spider-Man is everybody. It's not every character's like that, but Superman, Batman, you know, Wonder Woman, these, these are shared characters. And when you feel like, like the Wonder Woman movie being a perfect example of that's how we all feel about her. That's it. You did it. Like that, that's not a corporate thing. That's a, that's a, that's a cultural thing. So I, I, I think more about that than I do about what, you know, who cares about the corporate <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I would say, you know, basically I have a, like a similar approach. Um, so when I was writing the X-Men, when I was writing X-23, Black Widow, I was really trying to put myself in the skin of these characters and really think about you know, what their pain is, what their joy is, what drives them, and, and just inhabit them. And I, I didn't, I never really came up against anything as far as um, early on especially, when it, it was only much later in my career that I started, you know, butting heads a little bit with the way certain characters should be portrayed. And those are, were on books I ultimately said no to. Um, the only time I ever had to laugh was when um, I was writing Han Solo. And, um, and I had him drawing his blaster first. <laughs> they don't like that. <laughs> they really don't like that. I was shocked. I was like, it's such a small thing. And they're like, no, no. So um, I won't, won't go into the full details of that exchange. But, that was, <laughs> but other, other than those books I actually ultimately said no to, that was the only time I really sat back and I was like, wow, this is, this is, this is, this is real. You know. But I do love discovering that there is an argument among fans about a character that I wasn't aware oh, yeah. of, and and and, and uh, that that could still happen. And I'm so online that I'm always surprised that there's some deep thing going on that that I that I missed out on. But yeah, I've I've enjoyed uh, my 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 new DC. Uh, um, uh, I, I, I'm the voice breaking up the fight between the Superboys. The first round of hate mail I ever got when I was at Marvel was because it was during my, my run of X-23, and it was because one of the teenage characters um, makes a comment about Psylocke's cellulite <laughs> in a snarky teen way. I got so much shit for that. <laughs> so much shit. All of the fanboys came out and were just like, no, she does not have cellulite. That is terrible. How could you say that? And I was like, all right. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Thank <Yep>. you. <laughs> Little things. <laughs> so we started a couple minutes late. I'd like to give you each about two yeah. minutes each, because I would like to respect the fact you've been waiting for a while. And, and oh, yeah, so absolutely. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, this is um, in regards to Miles and uh, Riri Williams. And I guess my question was, um, you know, we talk about social media and 
people's opinions online, and there's obviously a contingent of folks online who are comic book fans who do not like the representation that is out there. And I'm just curious, when you first started uh, you know, introducing the characters, was there any pushback from the company or from the creators? And if there was, how did you handle that? And I guess my other question that I want to ask, two-part question, is that being that you know, you're writing about characters of color, I know you talked about your kids and you wanted the representation for your kids, how did you, as a white male, you know, go about with the process of writing for characters of color. Did you, was there, was there a need or, or um, a process of having a conversation with folks about kind of their perspective and what are some important issues that need to be tackled with these characters? Um, there was a, you asked all of the excellent questions that I wanted to talk about earlier. So thank you, Brent. This is good. Uh, I, um, uh, number one, uh, Nobody corporate, I've never, never got any pushback on, on, on anything. In fact, Miles was created in such a beautiful vacuum of what if, why don't we? And, and on a book that was successful and didn't need, it wasn't being done out of stress or, uh, or need or, 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 you know, which is sometimes how things are done out of, out of panic and fear. It was being done out of why don't we? What's stopping us? We should. Right, and, and, and once the story's truth, which was the death of Peter Parker, revealed itself, that, that then we're like, all right, let's, we're, we're doing it, let's, let's do it. And I was so grateful that the response to Miles matched what was going on behind the scenes, because the audience wouldn't know what's going on behind the scenes. All they know is they were gonna react to what they're seeing, right? And what they saw reflected well. It doesn't always happen that way, but this, this one did, and I was, uh, it, it's a, it was an enormous, thing in my life, it's hard to describe because I was at the center of a lot of people coming up to me of different uh, backgrounds and ethnicities going, seriously, don't mess this up. Seriously, <laughs> seriously. Like, like, and, and, like, uh, and, and a friend of mine, I was, I, was on the, I was working on the Powers TV show and uh, I'll say who it was, it was Kari uh, Payton, who was actually the voice of Cyborg, uh, came up to me and told me, um, and this is before anyone knew anything. He just heard I was doing Spider-Man and that there was brown skin involved, right? And he pulled me aside on set and he goes, I'm gonna tell you a story. And he told me that when I was a kid, all our friends played superheroes and my friends wouldn't let me be Batman or Superman because of my color of my skin, but I could be Spider-Man. And that's why, you know, like Spider-Man can be anybody. Kids of color think that. Like, so you, you should know that. And I didn't know that. But what was amazing was he told me the story I then realized it was maybe the 80th person who had told me a version of this story throughout the years I was writing Spider-Man, but I was just hearing it as a, this is why Spider-Man relates to everybody, right? I wasn't hearing, no, you need to do more. <laughs> and, and, and once I was there, I realized, oh, this is what I was being told for years. So, so it, it felt like the right road the entire time, and that felt good. So that felt good, and so here we are, at the, at the you know, weeks away from the movie debut, it, 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 I, I, I genuinely, the relief I have is, is enormous because it's always, Miles and everything like that's always been treated, been done the right way. As far as how we went to go about this, this is something I actually wanted to bring up in this classroom environment. There is, you know, with everyone kind of learning how to write their truth, and write from their experience, there's also kind of a, a weird thing going on where, where there's a, being taught like, no, you should only write what you know and don't write other people's perspective. You should only write your thing. 
And I'm not sure exactly where that's coming from. That's not how literature is made. That's not how stories are told. Uh, a part of our job as writers is to go out into the world and, and, and investigate and embrace and, and understand and find the empathy and find uh, the understanding of other people's perspective and, and experience. And, and, and that involves, yeah, a, an, an inordinate amount of, of talking to people and listening and, and, and hear, hearing what people say. And also, when you're done writing what you've written, show your work to people who have lived and say, is there anything in here that sounds like bullshit? <laughs> is there anything in here? Could you point the bullshit out? And I do that all the time. I go, can, I, I, have, I have friends that I can go point to the bullshit. And I, I, uh, I and it was, it's terrifying to write outside your perspective because you do have the world can comment on it, right? And, and, if, you, and if you make a mistake, you, you, you will hear about it, right? And I, instead of shying away from that, which I, I, I'm fearful a lot of creators have been doing, I've, I've been eagerly investigating outside of my perspective even more so. And I, I just put out a book this year called Pearl. There's a few books coming out uh, through Jinx World at DC, and one of them literally has characters based on me and David. It couldn't be more like our perspective of the universe. And then there's another book called Pearl that's about uh, a tattoo artist that works in San Francisco who's an American-born Japanese girl who's an albino who couldn't be less like my perspective. And it's filled with things that have been just poured over cliche, just like Yakuza stories are just filled with, with the worst cliche in, in American culture, right? So I, I said, let, let, us, let, let, let us create a scenario for ourselves where we are embracing all of these terrifying things for, for writers. And, and I put out this book in, in a blind terror. I literally, the night, night this book came out, I literally, I said, I go, I can't fucking sleep. I can't believe it. I can't believe, I put out a book every week of my life for the last 27 years. And I'm, I'm literally like sweating about, about this because, because I'm, I'm so scared. And then literally went on, on, on Twitter and I saw a tweet from uh, Arthur Miller that said, the best work is the work that is that close to embarrassing. That is close to like, that, that is the only work worth doing. And I, and I, and I was, I got, that is, uh, that's what I feel. I feel like that, that's, um, this is what you're supposed to feel like. So I, 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 I tell my students, I tell all the writers, dive in, go, go, go look outside yourself. And then guess what? When you go outside yourself and look for all that truth, you find a lot of healing things about your own life. You find a lot of com commonality and then, you know, that's why we're all here, because we're all connected to stories. Like, that's, this is, you know, this is, you, I, you try to reach out. You want to you wanna tell your story so it connects to other people. And the only reason you can do, a way you can really do that is to reach outside yourself. So. Well, and if I just might jump in for Please. a second. Which is, I think, part of the reason why um, there is a, there is pushback is because there are so few there are so few writers of color in not just the comic book industry, but in all of pop culture, whether it's television, film. Um, our numbers are beginning to increase a little bit when it comes to prose, but, but really, you know, it's, it's not to where it needs to be. And if there were more writers of color, this wouldn't be as much of an issue as it is. But because there are so few of us, because up until 2016, no 
black woman had ever written at Marvel. No. I think I could be wrong, but I think I might have been the first Asian American woman to write at Marvel. And that sucks. Those numbers are terrible. And it really hasn't improved that much. It's, you know, it gets better in incremental bits here and there. But because there are so few of us, I think, I think that's the reason why there is, there is pushback. No, I because wholeheartedly. It's because <laughs> if, if we were like, if it was 50-50, if there's more of us, it would be less problematic. But the visuals just suck. Yep. And the lack of structural diversity within these industries sucks. Right, and one more question. And, and I, but I do, I, I'm so proud of Kelly Sue because I, I do think she was the one that stomped her foot and said, it's safe. And, and I, I, can, I can feel a difference from the origins of Carol Core to today. That mm -hmm. feels like, the, like, un, uh, like there's a, don't you? Do you feel like it's, it's a shift in a grandly great direction? In, in what and, way? And voices of, of, of people of different ethnicities and, and sexualities finding their way in comics. Oh, I mean, the numbers are definitely improving. Yeah. I see it mostly in indie comics. Um, I think it's beginning to trickle into Marvel and DC, not as much as I think it's, as is needed, uh, right. particularly since these are our platforms. They're not just, these aren't just companies that, you know, have our favorite characters. These are platforms in which um, these characters reach out to masses, and masses are affected by them yep. and their stories. And so when you only have one kind of imaginary influencing the stories that are being put out, it's very problematic. And I think that it's... And confusing. And confusing. Yeah. And I think that it's something that needs to be very carefully examined going forward, how this can be changed and how we can change these structures within Marvel and DC. Um, because the indie comics are, you know, we're, like I said, it's not great, but we're beginning to catch up more. But how within Marvel and DC we can make fundamental changes so that going forward, the imaginations are, that are producing these stories, no matter how benevolent, no matter how well-intentioned, aren't so limited. Yeah, my daughter uh, is 11 years old, and she's so connected to Lumberjanes that mm -hmm. she, I caught her taking all 10 volumes to school every day. And it's like, just for her back. I'm like, it's just one at a time. Right. <laughs> you don't need all 10. But I, 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 and I, but I, I, I used to do that. I used to like, <laughs> I used to like, I might need all of this today. Right. I mean, I, I might need every issue of Captain America today. I'm, I'm feeling it, right? Mm -hmm. so, I, I, so when I see, and I know it's anecdotal, but when I see like my daughter on her own, not, you know, just completely invested in, in, this, in the, this imagination mm -hmm. that, that, that speaks so deeply to her, I, I, I feel good about things. I, I feel like th these building blocks we're seeing right now are just gonna explode over the next few years. Also, yeah. even the amount of um, college classes, the amount of people that are teaching and learning uh, has altered the way comics are being made in a very excellent way, I think, so. All right, we have one last one question. And uh, if you brought something, by the way, to sign, uh, then after this question is asked and answered, you can come bring that down. Okay, so go ahead. You would now have to create a question that, in, that just sums it all up, bring, brings it all home. It's all so, on you, man. Well, you know, this, is, you. this is very cool. Thank you very much. And I, I had one question, but uh, Marjorie, you said something I thought was pretty interesting. So I have two, so hopefully both quick. But um, you said that sometimes when you write, it feels like you're somehow predicting the future. Mm -hmm. Do you ever feel, do either of you ever feel when you're really creating something 
that reality somehow bends to what you write. Rather than a prediction, it's actually a creation of reality. That's a good one. That's a really great question. And then the second part of, of, of this is that when... Because I'll be thinking about that for the rest of my life, but go on, yeah. <laughs> no, but, but, no, because you know, I think, I think it's, it's, everything's awesome. And, and so, so I think, you know, when you're so immersed in like these, this sort of, th these worlds that you create, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of themes that come up, and, and I think, you know, especially in, in, in comics, and one of which is people die and they come back. And so, given that you're immersed in these worlds, do you believe in death? We believe in, <laughs> do we believe in death? Do you believe in death, yeah. Yeah, I almost died. I really believe in it, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was told I wasn't leaving the hospital. I was, uh, yeah, I, 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 do, I do believe in it. No, but I know that people in comics get frustrated by the, uh, by the, the resurrection, but I think it's one of those things people, you can't have in the real world. So it's the only place you can get it is in comics. It, it, there is, I know there's, there's a, a cheap drama to it, but there's also a profound way to do it that's so exciting and, and beautiful. And, and a lot of us have really loved those and a lot of creators have gone out of their way to create that moment of, that thing, you, you can't get that person back in real life, but you know what, we can get them back here. So let's do, let's have that moment we can't have anywhere else. So it's, it's more about that, the, you know, the, the, the wish fulfillment than, than, than baloney, uh, you know, and sometimes they're the same thing, so. I was raised in a Buddhist Christian household, so I've got like a mishmash of beliefs, but you know, that, that'll tell you something um, as far as death goes, but, um, but as far as do I bend reality, I mean, I gotta really think about that. I will tell you that when I'm in my zone and I'm listening to super loud music to get into that place where I can just release myself and not, and not self-censor, it's weird. And it's gonna sound really woo-woo and new agey, but I do feel like there's a part of my consciousness that, that goes somewhere else. Like, and I, I can't explain it any better than that, but it's when I'm typing really fast, and I, I don't write longhand, because if I did that, it's too slow. Yeah, I can't There's do something it. about typing where I can, my brain can just relax, and just things just flow out. And it's kind of this really wild sensation that's beautiful, and I don't, I don't feel like I tap into it as, as much as I want. It's almost a drug. Yeah, it, but, it, but you feel like you, you're often writing what you wish was happening, like you're not even consciously, like you're writing like, I wish the world was better. I wish the world was kinder. I wish the world was more understanding. So you write that world, mm -hmm. right? And, and my conversations between people are often conversations I wish was happening versus the conversation that I witnessed, right? So by doing that, you're often putting energy out in the world. Yeah. That, and I agree with that. That, that, you're, you're, that you're wishing and then people are reading it and then somehow they're re reflective of it and then they may behave better. Like, you know what I mean? Like you definitely feel like you're in charge of your energy. Like you definitely feel like I'm in charge of the, the energy I'm putting out in the world. And it does, I, I, and I certainly looked at my Twitter feed as saying like this, is, this should reflect me more than it reflects, you know, others and and so my twitter feed is all about inspiration and lifting other creators up because that's literally where where i want my energy to be produced to, and 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 so you do after after many years i guess it takes a while but you do feel like the energy i guess it's because i this is the first time i've ever felt like there's younger creators that grew up reading my stuff like who have told me now like i, n I never had that before uh so like like I feel like, oh, my, my energy is, is, 
I should keep doing this. This is, this is positive energy and hopeful energy is, is, is a good thing to put out in the world. So that, that's, it's more that than being like a soothsayer. It's more, more wish fulfillment. Well, let's, <laughs> let's take this opportunity to give both of these offers. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. Oh, thank you.